Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Aaron Horshig is a physical therapist at Boost Physical Therapy and Sports Performance in Kansas City, Missouri. He has worked with Olympic weightlifters, powerlifters, crossfitters, international level soccer players, major league baseball players, and NFL athletes. He is also, importantly, founder of something called Squat University. As an athlete, Aaron has competed in Olympic weightlifting and placed as high as sixth at U.S. Nationals. As a meathead academic, sorry about that one, Aaron, he published his first book, The Squat Bible, in spring of 2017, and his work has been featured in numerous professional journals. Aaron is a kind, thoughtful human being with great intelligence and great ambition. If you haven't checked out Squat University online or on social media, you have to. I, for one, send his resources to my staff regularly. If you'd like to lift bigger and perform at a higher level, today's podcast is definitely for you. But if you just want to move better, feel better, and live life healthy and well, you got to tune in and learn all you can from our guest, Aaron Horshig. To find out more about The Good Athlete Project, find us on social media at Coach, the number four, kindness. That's Coach for Kindness. Or at goodathleteproject.com. You know, I've always wanted to have an outlet where I can help others. While I was in school, I enjoyed writing a lot, and I enjoyed writing research. Uh, except mm. when you find out who reads research, yeah. it's really only you and maybe five other people that they read. Like a, a, the average scientific article is only read by a few people, yeah. you know, and probably one of them is my mom because obviously she wants to read what I write. So, That's right. you know. Um, I ended up getting two articles published in the International Journal of Sports Physical Therapy. Uh, one was on like uh, surgically rehabbed distal biceps tendon tear in like an active person wanting to get back to benching and stuff like that. The other person was like, uh, if you've ever heard of the autoregulatory progressive resistance exercise or APRE, it's a way of periodizing a, a strength training protocol that was first uh, discussed in the book Super Training by Dr. Mel Siff. But I used that as a periodization for a, a, uh, a football player in high school who had torn his ACL. Hmm. So I just like loved the writing aspect of things. But then when I figured out like, hey, no one's reading this crap or no hmm. one, I'm not helping as many people as I would hope to. Um, I sort of changed my outlook on things. And that's sort of where the idea of Squat University came in, which was like, hey, here's my background. Here's my understanding of blending these uh, these loves of physical therapy and strength and conditioning, Olympic weightlifting. But let me talk to everyday people, you know, people that don't necessarily have a doctorate. Um, let me reach out to the people who I'm really trying to impact and empower. And uh, that's where Squaw University started in 2015. And been, you know, having fun with it ever since. I love that. And, and you're providing an incredible value to tons and tons of people. Um, you're tapping on an idea that we use all the time at the Good Athlete Project, which is pay attention to what people are paying attention to. I think yeah. um, I I think I'm I'm leaning. I'm kind of uh, I'm about to go down a similar path. Hopefully, it has even a glimmer of the success that you had. But um, my, you know, I, I've been to graduate school a couple times, and I'm and I like mm -hmm. to. I see your shirt, Muscle Nerd. I, I, um, <laughs> if that were a club, I would try to join it. Um, but it's like. Um, the journal article thing. I think you do need a, a certain degree of scientific credibility. You know, these aren't. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not just the old wives' tale stuff. Like here's what worked for me back in my day, sort of uh, logic. Yeah. But how to get that message to people 
has changed and attention spans are maybe maybe this part hasn't changed maybe attention spans have always been relatively low um, <laughs> certainly too low to read a 10 plus page um, journal article with a heavy dose of methods and, and discussion mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff um, so yeah it, for, for those who've not yet been exposed to your content uh, but are hearing this podcast for the first time and would like to um, tell us a little bit about it whether it's I, you have three core ways am I right in that what does that yeah. look like what can they expect so the big reason why i started squat university is because no matter who i was evaluating as a sports physical therapist be it an eight-year-old soccer player a 19-year-old crossfitter a 30-year-old marathon runner you know an elite power lifter um i would always get to the point where i'm sort of breaking down their technique or the way in which they're moving regardless of what type of injury they have and i would always find that the squat, the movement of the squat was always the issue that they were having. They could do so many other things and lift huge weight, but they could not perform just the basic necessity of a squat. Right. So that's sort of where the idea came from is I want to start reaching out and sort of fixing different issues in mobility, stability, technique, you know, that are hampering your ability to move big weight, but also do so in a way that's going to keep you from getting injured. And then if you do have an injury, here's some things that you can help efficiently fix your injury. Mm -hmm. But I'm also going to show you simple ways. Hey, do you have limited pec flexibility? I don't know. Instead of just showing you 10 ways to fix your pec, let me show you first a simple screen that you can do on your own Mm -hmm. to then screen your body, go, yes or no, I have this. And then if you do, here's a couple things that you can do. So that's sort of where I I wanted to come with a very straightforward approach in my different uh, content that I put out that could help you understand how to fix broken technique, how to fix aches and pains so that in the end, I always say, so you can find your true strength, what your body truly capable of doing when it's healthy and moving well. Now, definitely uh, started off on all social media platforms because that's where everyone lives today. You know, you got this thing Mm -hmm. that's a couple inches tall in your hand almost 24-7 throughout the day. Even when you're sleeping, your phone's right by your bed. So everyone lives on their phone. So obviously, you know, I really started hitting Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, stuff like that. Um, Instagram, I think, has been the platform that has taken off the most probably just because I feel like that's probably where I am most efficient in delivering my content hmm. in that it's very scientifically based and um, in one, I guess, complicated in theory, but delivered in a one-minute packed punch yep. of content that anyone can deliver. I guess that's an area where I think I can do so very simplistically, but also still make sure that People who have a doctorate are like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like he, he right. delivered that well. Right. So um, I think Instagram is something that I post on every single day. I also have written a number of blogs, and that sort of came the basis of my first book that was released last year, The Squat Bible. Um, you know, the blog is squatuniversity.com. So I do a lot of written word as well because I know not everyone likes to just be on social media all day and get that as their form of learning. They like reading. So if you like reading i have you know squatuniversity.com there's a blog article database with just anything mobility stability technique injury anything you would want to read it's right there so i have the written word and then also i've also come within the last i don't know six months i've also done my own podcast because i know everyone is busy so where do people listen to podcasts often when they're walking the dog when they're you know driving to school driving to work so i try to create and deliver my content as well in an audio format that people can then use just like the other ones to help empower themselves to fix those technique issues, get over injuries and aches and pains to help them find their true strength. Um, so yeah, I try to do as much as I can. And again, yeah. this is this is on top of working 40 to 50 hours a week as a physical therapist. I had right. someone, when I was in Toronto last week doing a seminar, they were like, wait, 
Squaw University is not your full-time job. <laughs> like, right. uh-uh. This is, this is, I guess you would say, a second job on top. But the thing is, I love it. You know, this is what I was, you know, meant to do is mm -hmm. to help others in this form of what I know how to best do. So it's, I love every single minute on top of my regular work uh, trying to deliver as much content and free content as possible. That's a big, one of my missions is every single piece of content that I have inside of me is coming out free to you. Hmm. You know, I'm not here to try to charge people $19.99 to jump on a website for a subscription so that they can then learn what I'm trying to give them. You know, I don't give people little feeders. I give you every single thing that I know in the most simplistic form. Because in the end, I'm not here to try to make a million dollars, you know, from my work. My work, if, if I'm successful, it's to help empower millions and millions of people who are coming along they're loving fitness, whether that's being a competitive athlete or not. They just maybe love being in the weight room. You know, everyone needs help. And that's, I think, where where my mission has been to, to try to go. Well, I love that. And that's and I think that's where our missions align. I think everybody does need help. And, and so often sports or the weight room is the perfect platform uh, to to get people to get people well uh, or performing at their best. I really, there's a few things you just said that I want to touch on. One of them, uh, is this idea the the fixing the aches and pains is such an important concept. And I'll, you know, this is your time, but I gotta tell you a story about myself <laughs> because like there's, su there's such a very real part of, um, the athlete mindset that essentially is, is it's pain tolerance. It's endurance in that way. It's psychological, psychologically tolerating, uh, the discomfort. Uh, and there, I think there's value to that. You got to be able mm -hmm. to push through. You got to be able to play four quarters in an overtime or whatever the situation might call for. Um, but you can certainly go overboard with that. And in my short version, I wish I, uh, I wish we would have had this call about a year ago because <laughs> one of the things that we do is, is we, um, much like you working 40, 50 hours a week and then sharing that knowledge, we want to have a very real understanding of the front, right? We don't want to give just, just, uh, regurgitate textbook knowledge to people we want to understand its application um credibility and usability it, it's a kind of a combo so one mm -hmm. thing that we do for we ask our staff to do is participate in something competitive um so we know what it's like to program this on monday then this on a tuesday and holy cow i'm sore so this is what's happening on wednesday and etc cetera, etc cetera. i chose a powerlifting competition so i jumped into um it was nasa nationals down in oklahoma city mid-february of last year um and back when I was like a little more active beyond, you know, in a more traditional sense, playing football, powerlifting, competitively, all that stuff, I thought I was pretty strong. Um, so, and, <laughs> and, but then I, I started lifting again. Um, and for probably, well, like five plus years, uh, I was more, I was like lifting occasionally. I was staying fit. My goal was to stay stronger than the kids that we work with, but it didn't get, but the training wasn't super advanced. Uh, and all of a sudden I jumped in too fast, uh, kind of banged myself up a little bit and then continued to push through. And, and after hearing you, um, I kind of wish I would have pulled back, did a self-assessment, fixed the problems um, for ultimate highest productivity. Do you see that a lot? Do you see people who are just kind of grinders in that way? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's a big reason why a lot, I mean, of the aches and pains come out. Like you said, 
you know, you're, I don't think as a strength athlete, people are competing in weightlifting, powerlifting, CrossFit, or who are competing for football, you know, they're obviously in the weight room a lot. Like, you're never going to be completely 100% healthy for a long time. It's just right. part of pushing your body to the max. Eventually, things start to break down. Um, but, I mean, that's where a lot of the content of mine comes in. You know, I, I firmly, firmly believe that the reason that I think the content that I share has been able to resonate with so many people is because I will never stop being a practitioner mm -hmm. of what I preach. You know, I'm not just coming at it as a physical therapist that, you know, likes doing, you know, weightlifting and stuff like that. Like I was a weightlifter first. In 2005, I started competing. You know, I've competed day in and day out for 13 plus years now. You know, my last weightlifting meet was about two years ago. And while obviously life gets in the way and you, I may not compete on the platform much longer, you know, I still train six right. days a week in Olympic weightlifting. You know, I'm still, I still have the background in the days in, in days out grind of being an Olympic weightlifter. You know, I, my leg day is technically six days a week. Right. You know, I don't right. have like a squat day one day. Like I'm always doing that. So in doing that, I've also had the aches and pains that every weightlifter has had. Mm -hmm. I remember back in 2011, as I was getting ready for the national, uh, the senior nationals, I developed a horrible case of patellar tendinopathy, you know, and back then, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not, you know, I didn't graduate yet, so I really didn't have the practical application of how to fix it. And I remember going to some of my physical therapy teachers, the people that I thought were preparing me 100% to be the best I could out in the field, and they're like, well, how often are you lifting? And I'm like, I'm pulling two a days, three, four days a week, and then squatting, I don't know how many of the days were pure squats. And they're like, well, you need to cut back. Like, you're, you need to stop squatting. And I'm like, that's a horrible answer to someone that's that competitive. You know, like yeah, looking back yeah. now, there's so many other things I could have done as far as modulating my pain, fixing it so I could continue to train what I can train while I fix what I can fix. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So I definitely think as I may not compete as often uh, as a weightlifter, I will never stop being a weightlifter. Right. And I'll never stop being a practitioner of being a physical therapist. Like I'm not going to take Squat University full-time and just lecture because mm -hmm. then I quit being a practitioner of fixing and changing and continuously learning and becoming a better physical therapist to then help others. So right. yeah, just like you said, I mean, I've experienced all those aches and pains of people that jump in or do too much too soon. You know, I've had the hip pain, I've had the knee pain, I've had the shoulder pain, I've had it where I'm going so hard that I end up doing something because I've pushed through pain. You know, right, that has right. to, I have to take a step back and figure things out. And that's where all my content comes in, you know, because I'm like, hey, do you have hip pain? Has it not only, because here's the thing, most people, most athletes don't come to a physical therapist, a doctor, a athletic trainer, because they're just having pain. They go to them when they are, when their pain has affected their performance. Yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, your hip pain, oh, it hurts a little bit. I'm just going to push through it. It'll that's go right. away. But when that hip pain starts shifting their body and now they're starting uh, to have 40 pounds less on their one rep max clean during clean day, you know, then they're pissed yep. because their performance is affected. Then they go seek out help. So I'm trying to preemptively go, hey, you're starting to feel this hip pain. Is it doing this to your squat? Hmm. Here's how you start fixing it. Here's how you get ahead of it. So then you don't have to go to a doctor, pay a $50 copay, wait two weeks to get in to see them, then they're going to say, hey, you should probably stop lifting because they don't know Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting or CrossFit. Mm -hmm. They just tell you to stop doing that, take this medication, wait a couple right. weeks, then maybe jump back into it. You know, 
I feel like the way that the medical community today has approached strength training in general has been completely uh, from a blinded perspective of understanding how strength athletes move, how they compete, and how that, uh, you know, the movement quality translates into doing that pain-free. I know that's a lot real quick. It just jumped around, but I yeah. It, um, once again, I'm taking notes on all of this and trying to pitch it. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I love it. Pretty quick. I've had a couple of cups of coffee this morning. I'm the, I'm the same way. I, uh, I like this a lot. So first, I want to make it, I, I don't, I'm, this is my ignorance. Um, yeah. ten, patellar tendonitis versus patellar tendinopathy. Good question. So years ago, we would say you have tendonitis yeah. or tendon uh, tendinosis. O-S-I-S was the yep. ending. Technically, when you look at a tendon injury, it is on a continuum of injury. So uh, a an acute or a new injury would be considered tendonitis. An old injury that has turned into a degraded tendon uh, that's gone on for a long time would be considered tendinosis. Mm-hmm. Basically, what we just do is we just group it as an entirety of tendinopathy. So then we just say, you know, you know, you're on the acute phase. It's tendinitis. It's it's basically a, a junk term that's just thrown around by people. It, it's not not necessarily right or wrong. Uh, so just generally, we just say you have a tendinopathy injury, and then it's sort of on a continuum based on how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to dictate a change in your treatment or how you need to then change your training status to get more healing. That makes total sense. Um, okay, so as you were saying that, this metaphor kind of clicked in uh, mm-hmm. for me. How people don't address these concerns until their performance really begins to falter is such yep. a kind of wonderful metaphor for a lot of the stuff that we talk about in um, consultation, coaching clinics, what have you. Um, like it's almost i don't want to say it's too late by then but sadly we're we're kind of existing just below the threshold of breaking far too often and that's like psychological that's in day to day that's in sometimes what we're asking our kids to do we actually have this kind of we call it bedrock it's like the foundation physiological foundation of performance people talk a lot about um what the pinnacle of performance looks like or uh the people who aren't you on instagram Post, posting just like max deadlifts and max squats over <laughs> and over and over again. Uh, we're always like kind of concerned with the pinnacle and disregard bedrock. So one, one thing that comes to mind is like maybe uh, SI pain, hip pain, kind of lingering hip pain that hasn't yet impacted performance. This can be kind of degrading the entire system in ways we don't recognize much in the way um, sleeping for about six and a quarter hours a night would degrade a performance system. It's not so bad that you like can't go to work, but you're mm-hmm. certainly not performing at your at your highest level. Yeah, I mean, there's a really good analogy that I like to use, and it's not something that I've come up on my own, but it's called the performance pyramid. And Gray Cook wrote on it in his book Movement. He's the guy that came up with the FMS screen, mm-hmm. and basically, it's a way to understand how an ideal athlete should be set up. So if you look at a pyramid, it's got uh, we'll call it a three tiered pyramid. So the base is uh, considered your movement quality. Uh, The second tier is going to be your performance quality, which is the third tier is going to be your skills. Now, your base, your movement is broken up by your or dictated by your level of mobility and stability. 
So if you have more mobility and more stability, you're going to have better quality movement. Your base of your pyramid becomes longer, larger, basically. Uh, your second tier, that performance, that's those are things that we can measure, we can quantify. So your five rep max bench press, your 40-yard dash time, your vertical jump, things like that that we can measure. Uh, that top tier is going to be your skill. Now, if you think about it, most athletes, when they come to you or what they see advertised, hey, go to this two-week skills camp, right? Right. Right. things that as athletes that's what we focus on because we're enamored with the idea of becoming on sports center's top 10 mm -hmm. you know and while there's nothing necessarily wrong with the idea of wanting to be more skillful and more powerful i mean because mm -hmm. it's obviously worked out i mean every single day we're seeing athletes defy what an athlete is capable of doing i mean lebron james is just ridiculous and right. how big how you know well a a big man can move and how fast he can be and how well he's doing it late in later in his athletic career, you know, you see world records broken every single day at the Olympics and things like that. But I think what's happening is because we're sort of rearranging our athletic priorities to value that so much, like you said, people only posting videos of their heaviest lift on Instagram right. and stuff like that, we've almost forgotten about the level of mobility, stability, quality of movement, the base of our performance pyramid. Mm -hmm. So what happens is then you have that pyramid that's inverted theoretically, right, right? Right, right, So then you have a lot of skill and a lot of performance, but a very little quality base of movement. Now, it doesn't take, obviously, an engineering doctorate student to understand that the next time a storm blows through, that pyramid's right. gonna pop right over. Right. And that's how injury occurs. And here's another uh, quote, I think it was Louis Simmons that I think I heard say this, is he goes, a pyramid is only as tall as its base is wide. Mm -hmm. So if you wanna think, ideally, when we're talking about how an athlete should be set up, they should have a very large quality amount of movement to support their performance, to support their skill. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, it also is not only quality movement, but also how much sleep are you getting? What type of nutrition are you, exactly. you know, the quality of your programming? I mean, all those things constitute the baseline fundamentals that I think so many athletes, they just skip over. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, the most elite athletes that are able to get to the pinnacle of their career and not just get there, but stay That's there for a long time, they don't do so because of an, uh, you know, just a secret program or a secret supplement. Now, obviously, if we're talking about steroids and stuff, that's a totally different question. But, right, you know, right. obviously, right. we're talking about athletes that are able to get to a high level of competition and stay there for a very long time. Yep. You know, if we're talking basketball, Chris Nash, Kobe Bryant, you know, those guys, there's a reason. And it's because of an unyielding almost desire to master what many would call a simple, fundamental, basic, you know, property of that sport. You know, you look at the best Olympic weightlifters, they have amazing technique mm -hmm. no matter if they're doing 40 kilos on the barbell 80 100 right. kilos or right. their max weight it looks perfect every time you know they don't just turn it on once they're lifting heavier weight mm -hmm. you know the same thing like you know if we're talking football you know the the best wide receivers that make it to the the you know pinnacle of their career you know and stay there you know they're constantly working the basics of every mm -hmm. single you know wide receiver every single small footstep and movement it's you know they're constantly training it over and over so it becomes second nature they're not just yeah. going playing because they may be able to get to that high level based on just their skill only mm -hmm. but what we know is that an athlete's skill by itself is not enough to support that athlete day in and day out over year and year and year it's got to be right. supported by fundamental basics and movement 
and uh, just your appreciation for everything else that goes into being an athlete, like you said. That's totally right. And we call that the talent delusion. The people who yeah. think, that, you know what I mean? Some people are just like good enough to be successful in the moment. But actually, I saw this distinguished the other day. I think it was success versus excellence. It was like you can have a moment of success. You can have successful moments in your life. But excellence is the, the ability to essentially sustain that success over time. And yeah. for that, the process has to be sound. The Tom Brady's of the world, Kobe Bryant's, the LeBron James, like they're doing things like people are like, I, I hear this all the time. And, and, and coming from Chicago, my relationship to LeBron James is a <laughs> skewed one. You know, if yeah. you're in the argument for the greatest, I feel like we have claim to the greatest basketball player ever. <laughs> but, um, but I think it's, he's too easily dismissed as a freak of nature. Now, I do think he's like a legitimate superhuman. I think he is on, on, the, on the arc of, of human potential, on the spectrum of it. He's at the very far end. But in order to stay there as long as he has and produce as well as he has, he's talking about all like he's he's doing movement patterns at what however how old is he now? Mid thirties, early thirty, yeah. whatever he is. He's been in the league for sixteen years. These stats are probably off, but um, he's doing the basics still over and over and over. And wasn't that Kobe's thing? He's like Kobe put up thousands of shots a day. He was never like, yeah, I know how to shoot a basketball. He was like, I'm going to be excellent at this movement. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest of it sort of fits alongside it. Exactly. Yeah, it's inspiring stuff. And I like the, I'm going to, I'm actually going to take that. I'm going to practice this afternoon. I'm going to use that Olympic weightlifter thing that you just said. Like, you know, why, why would we assume like in football, let's say you're playing tight end. Why, why would you assume that you can have a week's worth of crummy reps and then turn it on when you get to the game? Exactly. I found, I found a post a while back and I uh, made it on Instagram, but it was basically a, just a quick snapshot of a video from Hook Grip from, I don't even know, uh, 2016 World Weightlifting Championships or something mm -hmm. like that. But it was um, an athlete that was warming up, just their whole session two on the platform. And I mean, every single lift was snappy and it was yeah. perfect technique. And it was, you know, you just shows you, you don't just turn it on once you lift heavyweights. Every lift, like that, what kills me is when people are like, well, you know, I can show good technique, but I need a little bit of weight on the bar. I'm mm. like, no, you don't. If you actually had full control of what your body is capable of doing, you should be able to show perfect technique and perfect spill, skill coordination, you know, with just an open barbell. Yeah. And then it should not change or deteriorate in quality as you're going up. Now, obviously, when we're getting to our max reps, you know, there's going to be some deficits. Some things are going to break down sometimes. Sure. Not every huge lift is going to look perfect. But if you have primed yourself to perform every single rep after what, 50, 60, 70, 80%, every single time you've gone over in your head, I'm going to perform a perfect rep, then when you do get to that max weight, even a small deficit mm -hmm. is not going to be that big of a deficit to where it's going to put you in the potential for having a huge breakdown that's going to look like crap and put you into the potential of having an injury. You you just wrote about that. For people who want to hear more about it, you wrote about that. Was that your last blog post? You talk about the slight rounding of the back in deadlift? Uh, it wasn't for, my last. It was probably one that I just linked up, though, on Instagram. Oh, gotcha. I, I usually try to share one or two a day or something like that. But, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's talking about the uh, why we develop back pain. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And then, and and you go to the, uh, you know, I think you talked about the questions you sometimes get. Well, why do these elite powerlifters sometimes have a subtly rolled back, and and you go into uh, the theory a little bit by there. Why don't we, if you don't mind, um, what would you say? Like, first of all, I encourage 
there's no sound bite that could capture everything that you're trying to do. That's what makes you unique. You're, you're thorough. You are very well considered and that's the idea. Uh, but if there were, if there were like one or two things that someone who is training right now and is sort of ignoring some, some lower back pain, say, uh, what are a couple things that they might, uh, that you might recommend they look for? I mean, the biggest thing straight off the bat is understanding that pain is there for a reason. Mm. Yep. Pain is there because you are moving poorly or you're using loads, postures, you know, movements throughout your day that are not allowing your body to work as it should. You know, pain is, pain is not there just for whatever reason. A lot of people, they go, well, I don't know why I'm in pain. Well, I'll tell you why you're in pain with right. an evaluation. Reason, yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's always a reason for pain. And it is a signal that is something is not working correctly in your body, and eventually your performance will deteriorate if you continue to push through pain. That's right. You, you mentioned something really interesting there: movements throughout your day. What? Are, yeah. Tell me about that, because I, well, I, I mean, I, mean, I have an idea, thing. but yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like so many athletes, they think about having good technique whenever they're in the weight room, but then they they don't think about having good technique the rest of their day. They just sort of. You know, they may sit in their chair all day long with a rounded back when they stand, they're hunched over, you know, whenever they're uh, going to pick up uh, something off the ground or they tie their shoes, they're just rounding over, moving their back, What you know, not using a good braced core. You know, it's not just the movements that you do in the weight room that affect how your body is going to react and develop pain. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you may have great technique in the weight room but you move like crap the rest of your day yeah. you can get just as injured it's just may it may come quicker in the weight room because you're moving a load poorly mm -hmm. but low load repetitively over yeah, time outside right. of the weight room is just as important in creating or not creating an injury as it is in the weight room totally right that's like that's like having one really like a really healthy dinner and then snacking on cheetos the rest of the day exactly you know? exactly yeah. exactly no, I think it's good. What uh, way, if you don't mind, weigh in on the relationship between tech and posture and attention. So they're like, you are, you <laughs> put out so much incredible content, but I think yeah. you'd probably be an advocate of not being on content all day. You know, asking human being to go out and get into the world. Um, yeah. What do you? What impact? Do you have any strategies for that? Uh, and do you think that is one of the things that's impacting? Uh, the rolled upper back posture that we see so often. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is whenever I, and I, as a physical therapist, I work with a lot of high schoolers and they'll come in and I'm like, all right, let's go warm up on this bike or do something. And they're just like head down. They're trying to warm up or do something in physical therapy. And they're just in this horrible neck down position looking at their phone. And I'm like, you know, you have to understand the postures that you're using whenever you're looking at your devices. There's nothing wrong yep. with being on your phone or on your computer, but understand that if you're in a bad posture for an extended time looking at those, that's gonna add up. You know, and eventually you're gonna develop an injury, whether it be your neck, you know, the sway back posture and things like that. The postures, you know, that we always say like, what doesn't kill you may make you stronger kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. obviously that whole song. But it's like, sure, it may make you stronger uh, in a bad position. You know, you may right. have a really, really strong posture in this forward <sighs> position. It's yep. gonna be even harder to then get you out of it later on. You know, uh, different cues I'll tell people is, whenever you have a job or you are a student where you're in a chair through a lot of the day, you need to get your butt up and move often. You know, mm -hmm. if you have a job where you're sitting down in an office, you need to get up every hour, 
go do some lunges, do some squats, do something to just move, sit in a deep squat. That's a big thing. How many people don't sit in a bodyweight deep squat throughout their day? You know, you should be accumulating 10 minutes throughout your day in the bottom of a deep squat. Hmm. Think about how often you sit in a chair. Yeah. You know, that's just completely turned off, hanging out on your ligaments or just completely passively sitting there. When you sit in a deep squat, you're not just passively doing that. You're actively actively uh, controlling your body through a full range of motion. And I promise you, if you're starting to sit in a bodyweight deep squat for 10 minutes accumulated throughout the day, so many things start to feel much better. All of a sudden, that hip pain, back pain, you know, it's going to start decreasing because you're using your body through a full range of motion the way your body was designed to move. That's uh, that's such an interesting thing. But the way your body was designed to move, a lot of my uh, my study is on something called exercise-induced neural enhancement, and this mm-hmm. thing that we move around in was created for a reason. Uh, and I think that go that's neglected. Here's some, one thing I've noticed. Uh, I wonder if you've seen the same. People like your hour of training per day, uh, that can't be it, right? Like, yes. Um, it's only it's that's such a recent invention that we've separated like our existence from our movement and exercise. Yeah. Uh, you know, normally we like you said before, like uh, we'd be doing things constantly over the course of a day, uh, good or bad, and and that would sort of accumulate into the into the vessel that we that we have. Um, I, like I mean, the big idea. thing what? is just like saying one hour of training with good technique doesn't make up for eight hours of moving like crap. That's right. That's a really, yeah. So what do you say to the person who might say, well, I'm, I'm really busy. I don't have the time to get up and move. Go on. I love it. People can't see this, <laughs> I but say, I, you know I love what? your reaction. You, know you Everyone's got excuses. Yep. Tell me how many excuses you're going to have when you're 80 years old and you have to use a walker to walk down and get your mail out of the mailbox because you neglected your body for 50, 60 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's the plain hard truth. And a lot of times the truth hurts when it smacks you in the face. Mm-hmm. I personally don't want to be able to do whatever I'm doing right now physically with my grandkids when I'm 85 years old. Yep. I don't want to have to use a walker. I don't want to have to use a wheelchair because I can't walk, you know, like it's you know so many people they don't realize that this thing that we're given this body isn't a short term yeah we're not just here for the next couple years right you're on this world you know god given you got some time here you know that for 80 85 90 95 years the way the medical advances are going you're going to be living probably you know a lot of people well into their hundreds in the next couple decades yeah it's like you have to take that longevity of the approach to the way you're training and just living your life. Right. A lot of people, they say, well, you know, I'm not playing football anymore. I'm 25 years old. I'm, I'm just going to go work out at Gold's Gym. And, you know, I, I strength train a couple times a week. And that's good. Dude, you're 25 years old. Right. Do you think that's the end of your athletic career? And you're just right. going to let it go? You're on this world for 75 more years. What right. are you doing? You know? Right. Like, I'll be lifting a barbell when I'm 85 years old. And I hope I every single it. one of you guys are going to be there with me because it's going to change so many things, you know? If you take, tell me that an 85-year-old who lifts five days a week, I don't care how much weight it is, but they're moving a weight, their quality of life is going to be night and day different than someone who has never lifted a barbell for the last 50 years. Night and day difference. And I'll tell you what side of the, the line I'm going to be on. I hope you guys will be there with me. You know, I, Dude, there's no, there's no question. I, will, uh, I, I, I hope to be right there with you. Uh, without a doubt. And I think that it's funny. Um, we're, we're on a very similar page with this because like 
only with our own health and wellness would we not take a long-term approach to that, which like you wouldn't do that with your finances. You wouldn't be like, exactly. well, I've got 10 grand in the bank right now. I'm good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then go spend it all this weekend on something extravagant. Uh, but yeah. we're doing, yeah, I, I'm sorry to keep dipping into these metaphors, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, like it, it just nothing else looks like that. And I, and I'm with you. I think um, you do want to be sort of long game focused with this. And, and, and I think I, I had a conversation with a, a a client the other day, it, it is really important to, uh, there's a difference between goals, um, you know, having a goal and trying to accomplish a goal uh, and designing a life, mm-hmm. right? Like a goal. And, and maybe that's, that's the excellence, uh, success to excellence differential that, right there. It's like, um, it's not enough to take one step. It's not enough to have had a good football career or have at once been at the pinnacle and taken sixth in the nation in Olympic lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's still a long long way to go. What are you designing for? Uh, exactly. And then, and then to a- kind of answer my own question, we have a, another sort of tagline: is Does your behavior match your goal? And if your goal is to be productive and and healthy and well in your 80s and beyond, then I I would this is what I say to people. Then um, it, part of that is moving consistently now. And if you don't have a life or a career that allows that, you need to consider a new life or career. Just yeah, because, exactly. and, and I'm not I'm not even telling you you have to. But if your goal is to be healthy and well, you can't you just can't have both. Exactly. Um, 100% agree. So, are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. Let's do okay. it. Coach Nadal's lightning round. Um, what was your first job? Uh, umpire. What would umpire? Umpire for baseball. Baseball, ba- baseball umpire. I could start I could start being an umpire and getting cash onto the table at 14 years old. Yes, sir. So you were already trying to skirt taxes yeah, from so a very you young age. <laughs> don't don't tell the irs i won't <laughs> i don't think they like our podcast <laughs> um, uh who would play you in a movie about your life mm, brad pitt would have been my answer too uh <laughs> what would constitute a successful day for you uh i'm gonna be able to definitely get at least an hour and a half workout in seeing patients uh hanging out with my wife being able to do at least an hour and a half of social media work and, and can, you know, talking back and forth with, uh, with people that like to uh, direct message me on Instagram. You're a great resource on social media and other uh, platforms. Can you give us somebody else maybe on Instagram or whose blog we should follow and uh, you know, what, what, what they provide? Yeah, uh, I'll give you two people. I like Dr. Jacob Harden. Uh, he's a chiropractor out of Florida. He puts it uh, together pretty good work. Uh, and then Dr. Dave Tilly, he's a physical therapist uh, out of Champion Sports PT in the Northeast. Uh, does a lot with gymnastics, uh, but mm. also a very good approach in, in teaching. He's got some good stuff on his blog. Where is the favorite your favorite destination you've ever been to and the one place you want to go to? Favorite destination? I took a trip with my wife down to, where did we go? Tulum, Mexico. That was a lot of fun. Just, uh, you know, hanging out on the beach for a full week. The only thing that wasn't uh, great about that, there wasn't a weight room on the resort. So if what? that, if there was a weight room on the resort so I could at least get like an hour lift in every day, then it would have been perfect. <laughs> Tulum, take I, note. Yeah. Yeah. You could always just fill your luggage with sand. That is true. I, I didn't think about that. I tried I tried to ask if I could get a kettlebell, and uh, my wife just looked at me with disgust when I tried to bring a kettlebell on our carry-on package <laughs> through the plane. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> people, people are so stuffy these days. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, what would you say is your spirit animal, and I'm going to ask you to defend that answer. 
Oh gosh, my spirit animal. Um, man, I will say, gosh, that's a tough one. I will say maybe it's more like uh, a squirrel or something, just because like you can see a squirrel like never freaking stops. They're always just going, 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 and they're like, go to this thing, go to this thing, go to this thing, dude. Let me tell you, like obviously, as you can tell, I've had a couple cups of coffee this morning, and I speak pretty quickly whenever I'm on a topic that I'm pretty passionate about. So I would say that because I have a lot of energy and it doesn't stop. I mean, it may not kick on till like 7:30 in the morning, but I'm not gonna stop till like midnight. Uh, I would say like a squirrel. Eventually, got to sleep a little bit, but I got I got a lot of energy. Okay. <laughs> um, who's a mentor in your journey that helped you a lot along the way? Um, I would say Travis Neff. He's the owner of Boost Physical Therapy and mm-hmm. Sports Performance. Um, definitely was a huge, huge mentor and made a great impact in. Uh, myself as a practitioner, but then also just growing as a person, just seeing how he's able to handle running a humongous company now um, out here in Kansas City. And still, he has four kids now, you know, a, f- a big family and, and still working and uh, balancing work-life balance, you know. Is there like a moment or some moments that stand out to you from your interaction with him? Is he? It sounds like maybe he's um, really capable of keeping cool amidst the chaos. Is that part of it? Yeah. Or, or what makes him stand out? Yeah, definitely amidst the chaos. I mean, the big thing, like, as a physical therapist, like, there's a lot of people, physical therapists out there that would get very, like, overwhelmed with, like, seeing more than one patient at a time. Mm -hmm. Now, if anyone understands the physical therapy medical setup in the United States today, if you're going to be an outpatient physical therapy, it's almost required that you see more than one person at a time just because reimbursement sucks. Physical therapists are drastically underpaid with you know through insurance companies so it's common for me to see like three high school athletes at a time at you know four o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday Um, and but that's like where I'm most on top of it you know I'm able to multitask in creating three different types of treatment plans and be very uh, on top of things and you know it's obviously something that I think I was good at at first, but obviously, you know, seeing him and the way at which he's able to interact with people and be very uh, multitasking in doing so as far as a treatment plan, uh, it's definitely something I've learned a little bit more from him and been able to see at a very high level. This is the last one I'm going to finish on. So uh, you are a leader in this field. What advice would you give to a future leader hoping to embark on a similar journey? Man, the biggest thing is have patience and know that you're not going to get to where you want to get overnight. You want to find people that are where you want to be in 10 years. Find those people and either A, try to go work from them for free uh, or try to find what they did to get there. A lot of times, like for me, dude, I did not go a day without reading some type of research. And as we talked about, like not many people read research, but if you want to be a physical therapist in the strength and conditioning field, you need to have a great, great basis in the science so that you can pull it off the top of your head as far as the application goes whenever you're trying to work with athletes. But you should be reading research, books, something new to learn every single day. If you're a strength and conditioning coach and you just want to get a pinnacle of what that is, Every single day, you need to be reading something to improve your background, understanding, and knowledge. And then also the application piece, like go work for someone for free. Intern, try to learn what they did and just sit there and and soak up just like a sponge as much as you can from those who have come before you because they didn't get there overnight. I mean, people look at where I'm at right now with 
being a physical therapist. Like I didn't just start yesterday. I mean, I started Olympic weightlifting competing in 2005. I started working on my exercise science degree in 2005 and then it was physical therapy degree and then I started working as a physical therapist in 2012. I didn't start putting out information, you know, for Squat University until years later and even then like I'm still learning every single day, you know, what's potentially out there for me as what I can share for people in 10 years, you know? So, I think the big thing is as a student, if you want to become a master, you need to never stop becoming a student or being a student because that's the only mindset that's gonna get you to the top. Awesome, it. yeah, thank you. Dude, that was so well said. Um, I appreciate it. You get an A on the lightning round. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. What you provide for people is fantastic, and one of the one of the reasons we're so grateful for what you're putting in the world is, is I think, exactly that process that you took. We call it, uh, it actually goes all the way back to Basho, who was like a, he's like an ancient haiku poet, but he, he talks about like coloring your mind and then what you put into the world is essentially a result of that. But yeah. constantly cultivating that filter, that that uh, in, that basis, so that what you ultimately, you know, the, the small, when you do touch the world, that small interaction with it comes from a place of like real uh, depth uh, that's, been, that's yeah. highly considered, highly intentional, and is therefore most effective for people. So, um, yeah, thank you for everything you do. Thanks for being on with us today. Uh, awesome, I certainly man. do admire that uh, quality about you and, and we'll continue to follow. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate having me on, man. This episode brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.